0: Welcome back to 10 and 20, official podcast of the Battle of Franklin Trust, where we talk about interesting aspects of Tennessee history in roughly 20 minutes. My name's Brad.
1: And my name's Sarah. This is part two of our series on Josie Wells, an influential African-American doctor in Nashville during the early 20th century. This podcast starts mid-story, so we highly suggest you listen to part one first.
0: If you'd like to support 10 and 20, Uh, we definitely suggest you go to our online store, which is store.boft.org and pick up one of our 10 and 20 t-shirts. If you just go to apparel, you can find those shirts. They're really cool. They're soft. And if you also want to make sure that you don't miss any of the content that we put out, please subscribe via whatever podcast service is easiest for for you to use. A lot of people use the Apple Podcasts app. If you subscribe to that, it'll download episodes automatically. And please leave us a review if you get the chance. But we're going to jump back into our interview with Christy about Dr. Josie Wells.
2: Enjoy. It's interesting because there was nothing that said that Josie was a suffragist, but I came across, originally when I was researching, one of the things that I was looking for is because Ida B. Wells was a suffragist. And I thought Josie had to be, right? There has to be something that connects her to women's rights, right? Think about what she is. Everything about her exudes confidence and Mm -hmm. um, strength and giving back to her community. You don't have all those traits and not be involved in women's rights. I certainly one, wouldn't think so. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just, so for me, that was one of the things that I wanted to find. And I came across an article, um, a 1940s journal article that was written. And it was talking about Josie Well, it was talking about women's suffrage. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it talked, it mentioned Josie Wells as being a prominent leader within the community. So I don't know what, to what degree she contributed, but I know that she was a female leader in the community. And then it started talking about, all these groups that were formed in the teens that um, African-American women formed in order to to move women forward. And they named them after flowers. So here in Franklin, the group was the Forget-Me-Not Club. So the Forget-Me-Not Club um, is in the newspaper every single week. and And they talk about four course meals that they're making and paper mache roses. Mm. And they're talking about, um, debate clubs and book clubs. And it really was women getting together and helping to create nurturing environments mm. for their family. And when you think about that, think about Josie's generation is the first generation of African Americans that got to create homes for their families, nurturing environments for their families. Mm. So it's Josie's generation that are the children and grandchildren are slaves that are not just having a place to go home and sleep. They have a home where they can read to their children and teach them about the Bible and and play music and just cuddle at night, right? Just nurturing environment. I mean, all these things that we want to do with our children, but her generation is the first generation to be able to do that.
0: They were able to plot the course of their own life. They were able to make those decisions in a way that no. No generation before them of African-Americans. And and she's right on the
2: cusp of women being able to be a vocal part of that, legally a vocal part of that, instead of just, you know, vocally a part of that at home. Well, yeah,
0: because like a little bit of uh, shameless self-promotion. We did an episode called The War of the Roses in Nashville. And it's interesting because those flower analogies continue on. Like women's suffrage was really decided in Tennessee and Nashville specifically and it was the uh, one side wore one color flower, the other side wore another color flower. And it was, they called it the War of the Roses because they had to make that final decision right here in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's interesting to think that she That's might have been part one of of the
2: groups was the Rose Club, okay. the Forget-Me-Not Club, the Rose Club, the Sunflower Club. There were all of these. They were called art clubs, but basically they were women's suffrage.
0: So there's nothing that has directly linked her to that other than that she was...
2: Uh, Except the article in 1940 that said suffragists were led by strong women within the community, and Josie Wells was one of those. Okay. So it it words it in a way that you're like, okay, she was involved at some point, but there's nothing to say that she went out and she was walking along the streets and carrying a sign. I know that when women got the right to vote, there were 7,500 women that that registered to vote in Nashville, and 2,500 of those were African American. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, and I... Hope one of them was Josie. I mean, I can't imagine that it wasn't. I mean, she was—you know—in my estimation, she was the first one in line to register mm-hmm. to pay to pay her poll tax. But
1: so once Josie moves to Nashville, what what courses does her life take then? She rented a house.
2: She was very active at Meharry Medical, mm-hmm. Dr. Boyd's Hospital, Mercy. She was. All of the colleges that I mentioned before, so Fisk, Walden, Meharry, she is assisting in, she's teaching, actually, she's teaching dietetics. She was very active, and I told you she opened a clinic for women and children, right? She wasn't just opening a clinic. She was trying to teach mothers how to take care of their children. So she said, early education is important. You need to feed them consistently. It was more taking care of these little individuals. Because think about it, right? It's the first generation that's gotten to do this with their children. So she's trying to teach them the importance of early child care and education and she was one of the leading people pushing towards this in Nashville within the black community she helped to create a daycare center there was a house that was a daycare center and she wasn't in charge of it but she helped to raise money for it and she helped to donate to keep the the donations coming so that people didn't have to leave their children at home You know, you're not leaving an eight-year-old watching a two-year-old. You're taking your children to this home and there's somebody there who can take care of them. And imagine, imagine how important that would have been for her as a single mother, right? Single mother who has so many responsibilities and she took her own life experience and she tried to make life easier for other people because of those hardships that she must have faced. And I don't know if somebody here was here helping her. I know her mother lived here at some point. I know a niece lived here with her at one point. So she has family members and then she has Gallatin family members. But to be able to know that you have all these people that have to go to work every day and I'm helping to make their life a little bit easier. And she was a lecturer, which think about how incredible this is she traveled throughout the south and the north she went to new york city baltimore boston washington dc detroit and she lectured on allopathy and what is allopathy yeah, allopathy is we're not going to just we're not going to leech you we're not going to bleed you you have a disease with a symptom we're going to treat the symptoms so it's Modern medicine, basically. Mm -hmm. We're going to treat you for this symptom and then we'll see how it goes, right? You Mm -hmm. do that. So she traveled throughout the country. I mean, she spoke in Atlanta, but as she's traveling and she's lecturing on allopathy, she was also raising money for Hubbard Hospital. Was that an
0: uh, mm African-American only hospital or was that? Yes. It was, okay.
2: It was an African-American only hospital, very separate. There were African-American sections of the white hospital, Mm -hmm. but they weren't getting good care. So they needed to have a place to where not only African Americans could be treated, African American doctors Mm -hmm. could work. Something that's interesting is Josie is never, in all of the newspaper articles that I've read, because they'll talk about, in black newspapers like The Age in New York City and the Nashville Globe here and others just around the country, they talk about things that are going out throughout the entire country for African Americans, Mm -hmm. things that move the race forward it's not we're not we're not talking about bad stuff because if if blacks are mentioned in the white newspaper they're talking about bad things. So these newspapers they were created to move the race forward, positivity. And so you have doctors and advances that society is making. These advances that the black society is making and they're being put in the newspaper because it's giving hope To everybody that's reading the newspaper. So Josie's mentioned in quite a few newspapers throughout the country, just talking about the different things that she's doing, but she's always an assistant. Hmm. She's always an assistant. It's always a male doctor who's the one performing the surgery with the capable hands of of Dr. J.E. Wells assisting. So a part of me hopes that that wasn't always the case, and it's just the ones mentioned in the newspaper. But realistically, I think that that probably was the case.
1: It's still interesting, though, that they didn't call her by her first name. It was just her initials. So you can maybe I know, right, which is a very male thing. For... It's a mm-hmm. very
2: male thing. But she was in a male-dominated occupation, right, which is why I think that she dressed like a man. And all the pictures I have, except for one that I've been able to locate of her, she is dressed in a suit mm-hmm. because it was a male-dominated, not just society, but the occupation that she specifically chose was male-dominated doctors. So nurses were wearing dresses, but Josie Wells was wearing a suit, and a little bow tie.
0: We'll, we'll post some of those on our social media pages so that the listeners can, can see what we're talking about. Because it is very striking. We'd only done a couple of episodes when you brought up this idea. And you were like, you should do an episode on this woman. I think at that point you said she was the first female doctor in Tennessee. Because yeah. that's what some of the articles said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. Only... You should do it. <laughs> but you show me those pictures of her and they are very striking. Mm-hmm. You're you're correct. You see them and you're like there's something different about this woman.
2: Right? You do. And there's So much to her, not just being a doctor, not just being a single mother, not just being a black woman. She was also a missionary. She had African women living, like that, were studying to be doctors and nurses living in her home. Her church was very active as missionaries in today, what's Ethiopia. She was very active in that. She supported the YWCA as they were coming, so she was going to meetings for that. I'm thinking, how did how was she ever even around to see her child? She had so much that was on her plate and she actually got sick in one of the newspaper articles. It said that she is so busy that she's been made to step back and um, take care of her own health because I, I think she was just everywhere. I mean, she's in the newspaper almost every single day for one meeting or another meeting like Hubbard hospital, YWCA, the children's house that she was helping her clinic I mean, all of these things. And the clinic, she's doing completely on her own time for free. That's not even with the hospital.
0: Well, it sounds like, because I know you said you haven't found a a direct link between her and the suffrage movement specifically, other than one a little bit later. But even if there isn't, even if she wasn't out in the streets marching, she is doing just as much by just saying, look what we are capable of doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't need to be outside waving a flag, even though that's important. I'm showing that. We are just as capable as anybody else to make these successes and to to benefit the world by working hard and accomplishing these things. And that's just as important, I think.
2: I think so, too. And I think that she probably got backlash from the white community for just succeeding. And I know that sounds awful. But one of the articles that I found, and it's one of the only articles that we actually have quotes from Josie Wells. And it was um, in the teens. There was a newspaper article where all of her friends and the community got together and they gave her $100. And it was for a horse because two of her horses had, had died very, very close together recently. And it went into, they all came and I thought, well, that's such a weird thing that you have a horse die and this community comes together to support you. And Josie said, it's one of the few articles where I have words, her own words. And it says, I've been very bitter about the loss of my last horse. And I thought, oh, snap, you're not bitter about a horse that dies from natural causes Mm -hmm. or because, you know, it's been sick. You're bitter because something happened Mm -hmm. to make, you know, that horse die. Right. You don't have bitterness. I mean, if, if your animal, your pet dies, you're not bitter, you're sad. So for me, I was like, I wonder, and the whole community is coming together just so it doesn't matter what happened. We support you and we love you and we don't ever want you to, to you know, feel unappreciated, which makes me happy that she had people that were doing that for her. Because one of the things that affected me the most when I was researching Josie is her headstone it has her dates of birth and death. But the words below it say forgetful of self. She gave her life for others. And that quote I think is filled with intent and emotion and sadness because I think people that are helpers often give their lives for other people and do lose themselves as well, right? You give your lives for others, and you lose this little piece of yourself. And I hope that didn't happen. And I hope that she had people around to remind her that we're grateful. And, you know, stop working and take care of yourself. And here's money for your horse. So when I see little things like that, because I was, you'd think when somebody would see that that quote on a stone, forgetful mm-hmm. of self, she gave her life for others. You'd think you would just feel, oh my gosh, she was such a good person. But for me personally, I just thought, I hope there was somebody around To say thank you. Or not even just that. Because she didn't do it to be thanked. And I know that. She did not do it to be thanked. But when you consistently give up little pieces of yourself, right? Forgetful of self. There has to be a point where you just lose a portion of who you are.
0: Well, and what was... What was her cause of death in the end?
2: She was having a thyroid surgery. So she was sick for a while. An interesting note, though, is the first thyroid surgery that was done successfully here in Nashville she assisted on. And that was just a couple years before she died. From the same Mm -hmm. surgery,
0: Uh, so she might. If she had been
2: there to do her surgery, (laughs) she might have been able to save (laughs) her own life. Save her own life, yeah. So Um, the surgery. It said that she came through the surgery well uh, with no complications, but then quickly deteriorated, and she was not even forty-five years old yet. But she accomplished more in her life than I think a lot of people can ever even hope to accomplish with more obstacles than we can even imagine.
0: Yeah. Uh, has her story ever been told before, other than a brief newspaper article here well, here, here or there? Is there a no, book about no. her or anything? There's
2: nothing. In fact, when I contacted one of her grandchildren, great-grandchildren, she doesn't have a lot because she only had one daughter who had two children, so she doesn't have a ton of descendants. But I found a great-grandson in Hawaii, and one of the things when I first wrote him, he said, I heard she was a pretty big deal at Hubbard <laughs> Hospital. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know? I mean, he doesn't even he I don't even think he knows the extent of this woman's success, because I think that when you look at that from a today's perspective and you've heard about this woman, he'd obviously he knew who she was. But he said, I heard she was a pretty big deal at Hubbard Hospital. But when you think back, even if you are an African-American now, when you think back about one of your descendants in 1904 and 1906, who is, you know, a black doctor You're not thinking that they were prominent and traveling the country and making an impact all over. You're thinking, oh, at this one little place. And she was the head of the hospital. She was the superintendent of the hospital. That's an incredible achievement. And so we haven't actually gotten the time to sit down and talk. He and I, we've just been emailing back and forth, but he is pretty excited about the stuff that I've
1: sent. Well, yeah. That does sound kind of awesome. That you can. I mean, can you imagine? I know,
2: right? And just to have this one incredible um, human being within your family tree is, I don't know. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth more to have a Josie Wells in your family tree than to go back to seventeen, you know, twenty three, which is what people always their goal is. Let's see how far back I can get. But if you can find someone like Josie Wells, she she forms more of who you are than all of the, you know and going back as far as, you know, William the Conqueror.
0: Yeah. It's like it's it's depth not breadth. Like you right. like some people are like I want to cover the widest area possible, but you're like no, I want to really go in depth about this one person.
2: And I want to learn them. And it's it's silly, but when you look at a family tree, this is how I see it. When you look at a family tree, you have all of these little branches, right? That they and it it are all these different names. When you look at that family tree, every single one of those people are a tiny bit of who you are. If one of them's gone, it's completely gone. So I understand the concept of going back because you want to see all those names that are a part of you. They're a part of you. And there's no way you can ever change that. But to then have this person like Josie Wells, who very distinctly helped shape who this man was, because her daughter married a doctor who was very prominent, and then her daughter went to Spelman University and then Howard University, and so Josie started that actually Josie's parents started that generational education, and you know they were they never learned how to read or write her parents Whoa. they wow. were illiterate and they their couldn't children even read and away. her daughter
0: when their daughter went on to do all that
1: isn't that incredible? yeah, that is.
0: It's fascinating, and I'm so glad that you've done all this research because she's somebody whose story needs to be told because it sounds like she didn't she didn't put herself on the front lines. She just quietly worked and became the best at what she did and earned her way to a spot that, I mean, nobody else in her position at that time got, Do you but know she what? earned
2: it. When I called Mehari Medical Library... Um, the archives, I was asking if they had anything on Josie, the librarian. The first thing she said is, I said, I'm doing a research project on a doctor named Josie Wells. And she goes, I'm so glad somebody's finally researching Mm -hmm. her. That's what she said to me. And it made me feel, it made my heart happy (laughs) because I realized nobody else is researching her. Right. Not to the extent that I really, because I was telling her, I need this and I need this and I need this. And can you look here? And she was so happy to help because she wanted Josie's story to be told as well. And I said, when I'm done, I'll send you everything that I find. And I am happy to do that because I want when another student comes in and they go to look at who am I going to write a report on? You know, because. okay, so here's an example. Right above Josie Wells on that newspaper when I first saw her face, the picture above her is. Madam Walker, Madam CJ Walker. And everybody knows who Madam CJ Walker is. She was, you know, she realized 4 million, million people are coming out of slavery. Half of those are going to want beauty products. So she created a beauty care product line basically. And she became the first African American female millionaire. And we all know who she is because she made money. And our society, um, not that I'm I, I think that she's insignificant at all and that we shouldn't remember her. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we remember her because she made money. Hmm. Right? And then you have Josie Wells right below her in the newspaper. And nobody I, – I, I point her out to everybody that comes in to Macklemore now. Nobody ever knows who she is because Josie Wells didn't make money. She made people's lives better, but she didn't make money.
0: Well, and there's no telling how deep her impact – like the roots of her impact went either because – she wasn't on the cover of newspapers, she wasn't something that kids learned about in history books. But to become as successful as she was in that culture, I'm sure changed life, changed thought processes, even if that isn't even what she was intending. Like maybe she was just saying, I, I should be the best I can possibly be, and she became that. And maybe that left an impact, even if people don't remember her name, but maybe they will now.
1: Let's hope. Well, doesn't that speak, though, more to her character, the fact that she accomplished all this, yet she wasn't mentioned in newspapers? That she avoided that spotlight more for, like, doing the actual work than for the fame of it all?
2: To be fair, she's in contemporary newspapers. It's just not afterwards, you know? Contemporarily, she was well-known, because Uh they were mentioning her in New York City newspapers and Indianapolis newspapers— Um, But there was, um, in Kansas City, they had a convention of black doctors, and this is when Josie was alive, and it was right after Dr. Boyd had died. And Dr. Boyd was a very prominent Nashville doctor. He was in charge of Mercy Hospital. He also was um, at Hubbard Hospital. So she's assisting on a lot of his surgeries when you see them in the newspaper together. But right after Dr. Boyd died, they had this convention of um, doctors in Kansas City, and they had all these pictures of these prominent black doctors throughout the country. And Josie Wells isn't pictured, but Dr. Boyd is, and he's dead. She was working not just against being a black person in the South at this time, but she's a woman. That newspaper with all those black doctors was like, oh, it's forwarding our race, but it's not forwarding our gender.
1: Hmm.
2: But Josie, I think we will never know the impact that she had on the community in Nashville, because she was forgetful of self. So the things that she did, they impacted people's lives on an everyday basis, like making sure they had medical attention and they didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to worry about that and making sure that they could go to work every day and leave their children in a safe place, a safe environment. And Making sure that when they were sick, they had a hospital to go to. Not just the clinic that she gave, but a hospital to go to. And the YWCA. I mean, even even that organization. She was impactful in everyday life in a way that, I don't know, she was important. And we'll never know who she impacted or how impactful she was.
1: She had a lasting effect.
2: Yeah. And we'll never know the legacy she left because it's not written about in journals and um, letters and things like that on a personal basis. I don't know a lot about her besides just census records and visiting friends and things like that. Like the natural things that we see like that.
0: We have had a couple of different teachers reach out to us that they've used this podcast in the classroom or if they've had kids uh, listen to it as like bonus credit or whatever. But I can't imagine how cool this has got to hit yeah. some kind of requirement. How cool would it be if we found out that some kids started writing a newspaper or mm-hmm. uh, a school project because of this? Like about
1: her. about it Josie. Does. It yeah. does. It hits several requirements that um, are in the Reconstruction era here in Tennessee.
0: I want to see kids starting to do projects on Josie Wells. That'd be yeah,
1: so cool. Do. Maybe one day her name will be added on to the Tennessee standards as notable people we have to we have to learn about in our classrooms. That would be incredible. And if they ever find a connection between
2: Ida B and Josie, let us know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, any concluding thoughts? Like anything that you want to add just at the end about what, why she means so much to you or, or why you think she deserves to be remembered?
2: On a personal level, I think that Josie, I could compare her to myself in so many ways. The age, single mother. I mean, I'm not a doctor by any means. And hopefully you means. don't die <laughs> soon. Yeah, hopefully yeah, I don't. No. I don't die. Well, I'm already already older than she was because I've already had my birthday. She died right before her birthday. I think on a personal level, just the connections that I was able to make, like that first moment where, you know, oh my gosh, she's my age. She's a single mother. She's, you know, going to college. I went to college and had a young child. So those sort of connections. And I do feel like our personality types are similar. Like I feel I have that helper personality. You know, that's... That's where I see myself being a helper and I constantly struggle with, I don't know, trying to, you always, when you have this person out, ugh, no, I don't know. There's no way to say it without being just smushy and I don't want to.
0: You allowed to be smushy. <laughs>
2: I know, but being smushy just makes people sad. I don't want to make people sad. I think Josie and I, I connected with her because we were single mothers. We were raising our children. We were going to school. And we're the same age. And one of the things that struck me is that she has she accomplished so much. And I do feel that, I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do with my life to even be able to? I'm the same age, and I haven't done anything like what Josie has done. And so for me, finding Josie and putting her story out there was my little contribution to that, making sure that that quote, forgetful of self, she gave her life for others. I don't want it to be forgetful of Josie. I want, I want Josie to be front and center and I want people to know her and I want them to love her. And I want them to know that no matter what everybody does on an everyday basis, you should always do things to help other people but never lose yourself never be lost to history the best thing about my job is I get to look through history and find people and I get to I mean they're there but I get to introduce people to them
1: well we're glad that you were able to introduce people to Josie you're gonna have to edit so much of that.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Well, thank you mm-hmm. for doing all that work. It sounds like.
1: And if yeah. we have to come back and do it over again, just let me know. Well, no. we might
0: have to do a sequel eventually because I'm sure you're gonna find more more stuff. Yeah, we on.
1: could do a little bonus episode, adding more to Josie's story. <sighs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you for being yeah. on this episode, Christy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a way of thank telling you,
1: Sarah and Brad.
0: <laughs> telling these personal mm-hmm. stories. I mean, people take your tour at the historic sites, and they're like, I felt like those people were still alive after that tour. <sighs> So thank I'm you sure, for sharing this with
1: us. I'm sure people will be saying the same thing about this podcast too. Hopefully they love Josie. Mm-hmm. That concludes our story on Josie Wells. And we'd love to thank Chrissy for doing all the research to even make the story possible.
0: And if you would like to keep up with what we're doing, please follow us on Instagram. It's just 10and20podcast. 10 tennin I N two zero podcast on Instagram. We'll post some pictures that go along with this. And if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover in a future episode please send us an email at podcast at Thank you so much for listening.